Coming up on Caffeinated Theology. We are actually recording in the place that we're staying here in Nashville, Tennessee. We are primed and ready to be part of the Southern Baptist Convention. Jesus very clearly believed that you know no one went to the Father but through Him. I also want to talk about the missing years of Jesus. We are sampling Elixir Coffee Company. Discussing theological truths for biblical living. Reviewing featured coffee roasts and premium brewing techniques. You're listening to the Caffeinated Theology Podcast. Bringing you biblical truths over a fine cup of coffee. Well, thank you for tuning in to Caffeinated Theology Uh, Episode number three, we are embarking in season number two, and we are continuing our discussion on the person and work of Jesus, uh, his divinity. Uh, Last week, we spoke on the I am statements that Jesus said about himself, and these are primarily in, in John chapter well, all through the Gospel of John, the I am seven I am statements that Jesus says uh, of himself. And uh, good discussion last week. Today, um, we are, Pastor Jason and myself are joined by Lloyd Jones. Uh, he has Hello. become a regular on our. Uh, on our it's podcast, while, and, uh, also known as Pastor Bacon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We are, you might see that the atmosphere is a little different. We are actually recording uh, this in the place that we're staying here in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, we are primed and ready to be part of the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, which is, of course, here in Nashville, Tennessee. Many of you listening in or watching, you might be. Uh, familiar with some of the headline news stories concerning the controversy of the Southern Baptist Convention, particularly this year. As of a couple of year, a couple of weeks ago, uh, there was probably about sixteen thousand uh, registered um, uh, messengers for the convention. So that's almost record number in and of itself. Mm. And uh, controversy seems to do that, you know. And <laughs> controversy yeah. isn't isn't a new thing. To, to Christendom. Uh, you know, you think of the conservative resurgence, you know, think of the, you know, you think of the controversy surrounding that. It's nothing new. And uh, the Lord seems to always work out um, where He wants this, deni- this association to go. And uh, we have faith that He'll do that. Now, this podcast is not going to, we're not going to handle any of the controversy. Um, because we're talking about the personal work of Jesus. Yeah. And um, thinking a little bit about last week, the personal work of Christ and the I am statements. I know, Lloyd, you weren't with us last week, but you can chime in mm-hmm. on this. Um, we discussed the I am statements that Jesus said of himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Pastor Jason, what might be something that uh, you might take away from Last week, we always like to review a little bit, kind of dip back into the last mm-hmm. episode, but what might you know, be something? Well, uh, one thing, you know, kind of building through this whole season, uh, the first episode we had Thomas and Casey uh, with us as we kind of did an introduction to the person and work of Christ. And yeah. uh, one of the things Casey said was that he had actually met two people in ministry um, who were. Um, church-going people that uh, were just kind of blown away at the idea that Jesus was God, Mm. uh, that they had never really thought about it that way, which we were all kind of wowed by that, that someone who grew up in a a Bible-believing church Mm -hmm. uh, would would be surprised to hear Jesus as God. Uh, And I think building on that last week, Mm-hmm. With the I am statements, we really kind of laid out uh, Jesus's claims of of being the I am, of being God. Mm-hmm. I think particularly thinking of 
when he said, I am the resurrection and the life and, and how that was just a, an outright claim, uh, just before going to the cross of, uh, of being God, the one who brings eternal life. You know, he said, whoever believes in me um, will not die. And uh, this it was just a outright mm-hmm. kind of culmination of, of mm-hmm. what all the I am statements are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, Lloyd, how about, uh, I know you listened in on the way up. Um, yeah. We kind of, uh, you know, as they, as they say, you are your own worst critic. I am. And I don't know about, I don't know about you, but I listen back to stuff and, pick up things that I say or the way that I say it. And I'm like, ah, but, uh, you listened in what might be something you picked on up on from last week about the, the, I am statements that come um, stood out to you. Specifically, you guys mentioned the, um, the, the statement of, uh, the way, the truth and life. Um, okay. for me, that's always been the go-to. Um, I deal with, um, people of opposing viewpoints when it comes to the deity of Christ. Um, one being, um, some messianics um, who they were eventually they believe that he's the Messiah, but they they're not sold on the the deity of Christ, and that's mm-hmm. typically my go-to scripture of support. Um, is that well, look who Jesus thought he you know he, this is what he thought about himself. I mean, um, the idea that he's there's no other way, and I think y'all did a very good job of um, solidifying that in the last episode of okay. um, Jesus. Cool very clearly believed that, right. you know, no one went to the Father but through right. him. So, yeah. Uh, the way, the truth, and the life. And we, as we mentioned, that that is, a, a, at least for evangelism, that's a starting point. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be a starting point because yeah. the, uh, the idea, this postmodern idea, it was actually like post-post, Postmodern idea <laughs> yeah. things, um, yeah. you know this i you know idea of, of uh, relative truth, yes. which is really not truth, um, you know. And so you got to establish the the foundation yeah. of truth claims um, yeah. and absolute truths, and so uh, and so yeah that that is I am the way that, that you know that is a very um, kind of first place you know that that someone might want to at least for me that they might want to go when sharing their faith. Yeah, you know, go ahead and lay that that foundation. Yeah, you know, um, but you also have to know where you're going to be with a particular person. Yeah. You know? So what I mean by that is, for instance, we shared the gospel with a, a person who knew the Bible, read the Bible, but I didn't know where they were at. We didn't know where they were at, and as far as their knowledge, so we went all the way back to Genesis and ended up working to that particular place. Mm-hmm. You know, in in John, um, and so. So yeah, that yeah. One of so. my favorite, favorite all-time stories of sharing the gospel. We we'll have to share that one day. Oh yeah, well we could share that. Um, we could share that. Um, I think that would be good. Maybe for the end of the podcast, we'll sh- we'll share we'll the story share. of Ron. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do that. It's one Seems of the like... stories that'll make a Baptist behave like a Pentecostal. <laughs> yeah, make you run laps around the church. Yeah. Seems yeah. like last time I was on the podcast, we had make a bonus you, episode. Yeah, yeah, make so. you uh, <laughs> make you throw your coat at the man singing. Then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what we'll do is uh, we'll jump right into the topic of the day. We're still kind of hovering around the divinity of Christ. Uh, we're we're re- moving through very slowly the person and work. Now we're, we're speaking of the person, his nature of Jesus. Sometimes we'll dip into church history a little bit and, and talk about certain things in church histories, maybe some controversies here and there. Um, uh, but the idea behind the podcast, I mean, I, th- I think we've, we're kind of hopefully achieving that, is to just have a chat about theology and, you know, things that we have studied and kind of bring it to the table and converse, you know, in a you know, as like a conversation piece. And yeah. so um, yeah. what I want to do is kind of talk about this verse, maybe a couple of verses that might uh, continue that study of uh, the divinity of Jesus. And so uh, one verse I think of, and I've got it pulled up here, is when we're reading like from Hebrews, uh, Hebrews is a, um, so somebody would put a, a title on Hebrews or a theme. When I think of Hebrews, I think of uh, the supremacy of Jesus. And in fact, you might find even in your Bibles 
there might be a heading uh, that might be in that uh, particular book uh, that would would say something similar, supremacy of Christ uh, or something like that. And so Hebrews reads that way, that amongst all the cloud of witnesses, Christ is supreme. All right, and so let me read from verse 1. We'll start Hebrews 1, and we'll read down to verse 8. Verse 8 is the key verse as, uh, as far as we're speaking of divinity. Uh, it says, Long ago and many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days... He has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. And so we would go back to the prologue, the Logos. Uh, He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Remember when Jesus said, if you have seen the Father, you have seen me. After making purification from sin, he sat down at the right hand of of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited, is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you? Or, again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. The angels, he says, he makes his angels wings and this ministers a flame of fire but verse 8 is the key verse that says but of the son this is what he says of the son your throne O god is forever and ever the scepter of unright of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom and so this is a proclamation pointed to the son who who there's a title who calls the Son, O God. And so, uh, if, uh, if I was ever pressed on this, you know, and, you know, use the Bible, of course, as your proof text, find a verse that says Jesus is divine or God, uh, this is a good, yeah. good proof text. I also go to Colossians 1, uh-huh. uh, which uh, is very similar wording. Uh, Colossians 1, starting with 15, uh, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, Mm -hmm. and through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether on earth or in heaven, and making peace by the blood of his cross. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And then Colossians 2.9 says, uh, For in in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Yeah. So uh, I th- I think that we have spent a good amount of time giving real good solid scriptural evidence for the divinity of Christ. Um, that scripturally we have made the case, as many have done, probably more you know better than we have over the years. <laughs> and I was told one time, you know, there's never a new idea. So if you think you have a, a new idea about the Bible or philosophy, just go to a library, and it's in there somewhere. As know. long as it's accurate. As long as it's accurate. There's plenty of new ideas yeah. that are heretical, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's right. So if you got a new idea, a fresh idea, um, and something you could that nobody's ever thought of, there's probably a good reason for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> probably a good reason. Uh, yeah, but I think we've, we've, we've laid some groundwork, at least in the first three episodes and so what i want to do for just a little bit is talk about his humanity Mm -hmm. okay i think i think for this next the remainder of this episode i think we could maybe elaborate on this humanity because it's just as important as the divinity Mm -hmm. and what i mean by that is without the humanity of christ 
uh, we do not have a suffering servant. Yeah. Okay, we don't have, you know, suffering on the cross and substitutionary atonement could never happen. So uh, we'll um, we'll dive into that when we are talking about the divinity of Christ uh, for a good robust study of his character and his nature, his humanity goes hand in hand with his divinity. And as I mentioned, I think we have spent a good amount of time kind of unpacking that. Now, we didn't dive into uh, church history stance as far as the Council of, of Nicaea and, you know, the, the councils that defended the divinity of Christ amongst uh, people yeah. like Arius and, and things like that. We may have talked about it in the first podcast yeah we did a little, little bit because we i think we briefly mentioned santa claus smacking yeah punching there <laughs> uh, yeah but uh <laughs> look that up if you've never heard about that that's pretty funny yeah it's a pretty good uh, Saint uh nick kind of uh it, it's kind of sensationalized <laughs> yeah. but it's it's pretty it's pretty neat just kind of think that santa claus through a left or right hook to <laughs> to, to dispel to, some to heresy, heresy. <laughs> dispel some heresy with a yeah. smack. He moved yeah. on to Cole later on, I guess. <laughs> uh, all right, so um, the divinity of Christ and His humanity, John chapter one, what we would consider to be the the prologue of John, Gospel according to John. Uh, some folks, you know, I remember a, a, a person telling me that it's my favorite book of the Bible, my favorite um, portion, and, and I could see that, you know, because it spells out such a robust uh, image of, of who Christ is from what we consider to be Christology from above and also below, because in the beginning was the Word. And so the Word is, of course, Logos Christ, and then in verse 14, it says that, and the word became flesh and dwelt or tabernacled among us. Tabernacled, um, and, you know, to, uh, to place upon him humanity. What was the, the theme statement that you had when you preached through John? The I am has come to dwell... Yes, it's, it's come to dwell while, yeah. and something among us dwell and tabernacle, tabernacle, among us. <laughs> maybe something like that. But yeah, that's uh, kind of the kind of yeah. this is the prologue of John, and it's the, I mean the whole book of yeah. John is uh, that's the point is to mm-hmm. to show us that uh, divinity, the yeah, Christ, yeah. God, the God became man, the God man, yeah, um, you know to right. to meet our our spiritual need. I mean yeah. through the cross. I mean, it's interesting because if you think about it, I, I had I had this I uh, this thought uh, or realization uh, is that the person of Christ or his his humanity comes into question only when someone's been convinced of his divinity. Otherwise, mm-hmm. why question it? Yeah. Um, now there's heresies over over the centuries yeah. Yeah. that would focus more on his divinity yeah. and devalue his yeah. His humanity, and yeah. we did talk a little bit about those in the in episode one of season two, and mm-hmm. then others that would elevate his humanity uh, more so over his divinity, or mm-hmm. that his divinity uh, come to place at a certain point in Jesus's ministry. Which those are all heresies. <laughs> and they're all the isms and the you know yeah. the, uh, Ebionism and Arianism and those type things, and so. Um, when we when we think about the humanity, and we talked about John one, what verses would you use? Somebody says, "Hey Lloyd, um, why is it important that Jesus, you know, that we stress his humanity? Uh, where would you direct somebody who wants a little bit more understanding of the of Christ's humanity? Where would you direct them in the Scripture?" Yeah, one of the places I would go to is Philippians 2, uh, 5 through 8, uh, which says, uh, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, do not count, did not count equally with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, 
And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Okay. Yeah, that is classically known as, uh, in the Greek, it's kenosis. Mm-hmm. And uh, like if you were open a theology you know, book, or, or the, the Greek, the emptying um, there made himself of no uh, reputation, um, you know, that, that whole thought there is that Jesus emptied himself, but the question is, the controversy is what, did, what was emptied? Is there two ways of thinking of it? Mm-hmm. Did he empty his divinity, which is one way that someone would answer that? Mm-hmm. And if it's not his divinity, then what, what did he, what was emptied? Okay, what, what did he willingly, what, what did Jesus willingly give up to empty himself? And um, the other way to answer that, well, he gave him, he gave up his, uh, you know, his, his place, if you will, on Status earth, almost. Right. Yeah. To, uh, to uh, humble himself to a place of a servant. It's pretty, I mean, I think that's pretty clear as far as what that is. Mm-hmm. All right, so yeah, the kenosis, the emptying, Jesus emptied himself of uh, bringing himself to himself to a place of a servant, not emptying his divinity. I think we all three stand pretty much in agreement to that. Uh, but Jason, where would you go if you were, let's say, someone comes to you and says, "Why is it important that?" Uh, you know, we explain Christ's humanity. Uh, what might be some things that you know that might be kind of obvious to kind of point out to to someone that has, hey, I want I want to know where to go in the Bible or what to think about when we're talking about the divinity of Christ. All right, you mean the humanity? Yeah, humanity. All right. Uh, well, um, I think all through the Gospels, uh, you see. Uh, just as you know, the eyewitness accounts of what Jesus did uh, while he was here on earth, um, you see just him displaying human characteristics, mm-hmm. um, experiencing normal human things. Um, the Gospel Coalition has uh, a list of um, kind of a lot of these these type things. Um, that's a good place uh, to to check that out. Um, things like I mean, he was born. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't just appear. Uh, he didn't right. just like you know mm-hmm. manifest out of mm-hmm. uh, thin air. Uh, he was born. Uh, Mary was mm-hmm. pregnant. Uh, she went through a full pregnancy and mm-hmm. gave birth to Jesus uh, in the manger. Uh, I mean, we read about that, you know, in Luke two, uh, the birth narrative of Christ. Yeah. Um, so you know that that's. Uh, uh, Something that every single yeah. human being that's ever existed yeah. um, experienced. They were born. Mm-hmm. Um, so that right there, right off the, the start, is a just a normal normal human thing. I'm going to think about also, you know, uh, we read about how he grew, uh, how he, de- you know, grew and developed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's uh, Luke 2.40. Um, it says, as the child grew, he became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. So just, you know, normal physical mm-hmm. uh, um, things like a birth and, and growth, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Okay. One of the, you're talking about the Gospel Coalition, uh, they, they list after that um, that he experienced limitations of, I believe, finitude. Um, I'm not sure. Being finite. Being finite, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, which most of the time, I think that's, uh, those limitations is what many they used to question his deity. Yeah. It's a struggle. Yeah. Um, and go ahead. But yeah. And, uh, which they have, uh, like Matthew four, two here, uh, uh, about him hungering as, you know, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Um, and he thirsted, he grew tired and, um, multiple, multiple, uh, experience, uh, experiences of being fine. Being fine. Yeah. yeah. You know, a uh, part of being human is, having those physical needs yeah. to sustain yeah. a human body. That's good. 
Yeah, his, uh, you know, his temptation, you think about that as the Bible depicts uh, the Lord Jesus being tempted in a good place, I think, that really resonates with this and maybe gives a purpose statement for suffering. You know, we, we know the cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know his uh, suffering on the cross as part of his humanity. Uh, but I think he, Hebrews 4.15 is a good place to, to, uh, you know, to use as a text or proof text. It says, For uh, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. How much more will the blood of Christ, who, through the eternal Spirit, offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience with, uh, from dead works to serve the living God? Now, uh, hopefully that would be a good place, certainly a good place. I mean, there's a reason why Jesus was tempted. At, you know, the very core of it is, of course, the his suffering, the penal uh, substitutionary atonement, and and then that we have a Savior who sympathizes with our mm-hmm. temptation. He knows what we go through. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, temptation I think is certainly a, a good place to, to to kind of think of his humanity. For me, that's the strongest or the most convincing for myself because mm-hmm. if he is divine, the only way he could be tempted is to be also fully human. Yeah, Um, Yeah, I think, too, uh, uh, we see, you know, where he, uh, you know, has emotion. Uh, Yeah. There's different times when it says he was troubled. Uh, You know, uh, we see where he wept. Um, I think of in Gethsemane, uh, you know, knowing the, the, what was about to come. Uh, You know, you know, for a lot, the longest time, I only saw that as know as you know, knowing the crucifixion was coming, and knowing mm-hmm. the pain and, and physical suffering right. that he was about to go through. Um, but I think also, uh, and this is kind of on his, the divinity side a little bit too as well, that um, he was about to experience the wrath of God. Yeah. Um, but the uh, the anguish and the mm-hmm. the suffering and uh, the um, troubling uh, that we see um, in him, I think, is also um, a picture of his humanity. Right. And I think about that, like, I mean, how many times have, uh, and this goes back to what you just read about how, um, you know, we have a Savior who can who sympathizes. Mm-hmm. Um, how how many times have we all experienced um, things going on in our life or in our families that were just brought us to a place of being distraught and yeah. uh, and mm-hmm. to know that you know Christ was there uh, mm-hmm. that that's a comforting thing to know that that he's uh, he knows what we experience yeah what uh, y- you know again the centerpiece for this temptation is is the cross and we um sometimes don't think very deeply about what transpired on the cross. Mm. Um, You talked about earlier um, experiencing the um, finitude or, you know... Physical limitations. Yeah. Yeah. Experiencing that. But on the other hand, experiencing um, eternal... Um, suffering or eternal separation. Yeah. And what I mean by that is when Christ died on the cross, yeah. okay, so follow the logic. The wages of sin is death, mm-hmm. right? And death is, is separation yeah. from the goodness of God. Uh, and to think about if our sin was cast on him mm. the wrath of god was taken out on the son then in that moment on the cross jesus would have experienced 
what it was like to experience to to know that eternal separation yeah. from him. Now that's pretty deep. That I can't get my head around that. To to me, and going back to what Jason read about like or mentioning like the garden uh moment, I think that was specifically why he was mm. like obviously the knowing that death was was coming. Right. Um but more so that the the moment where you know where he cries out like God, why have you forsaken uh, Father? Why have you forsaken yeah. me? Um, I think that was the um, the sweat and bullets moment in a way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You mentioned um, we already mentioned uh, him suffering, dying, and then obviously him him being buried is part of that as well. Um, but also um, that he was also raised in his humanity, um, and you know the fact that he was raised in the same body in which he died. Mm-hmm. Um, and which, which was at that point, a glorified, uh, body, um, which Paul talks about, um, in first Corinthians fifteen forty five, which is thus it is written, uh, the first man, Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life giving spirit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, and that certainly helps us to understand when a Christ follower dies, uh, that there is a resurrection. Yeah. You know, and that. You know that resurrection gives us hope. Yeah. So, and I think about oh, that's good. Though. I think like I love that the second Adam, you know, where Adam failed, yeah. uh, Christ uh, uh, measured up. We talked about that. Casey talked about that, uh, and I mentioned it last week mm-hmm. um, with a lot of the Old Testament prophecies. Uh, you know how you know things like where it said uh, uh, David would be on the throne forever or uh, stuff like that and it, where it doesn't measure up with uh would you put that individual in there mm-hmm. about how christ fulfills all of that you know adam um where where we can't measure up we mm-hmm. sin we never meet the the standard yeah uh, christ the second adam uh, uh fulfills it all yeah and uh, last episode, which we lo- I listened to a couple hours ago, so it's not completely fresh in my mind, but I believe y'all mentioned, um, I believe it was you, Larry, that mentioned that the Bible dropped me anywhere in the Bible. Spurgeon. And, yeah, the quote from Spurgeon that, and in, in, in it'll, I'll go toward, I'll head towards the cross. Um, I think that's a perfect example, like you were, like you were just mentioning, um, mm-hmm. is that uh, even in Genesis 3, uh, with the fall, where Adam fell, I can immediately draw that connection of like look at Ad, uh, look at the second Adam who who succeeded. Um, same thing with Israel and multiple other examples. Well, good. We'll uh, we're going to take a coffee break. We're going to review a uh, we're going to review a, a, a roast here from Nashville. And uh, when we return, we'll um, we'll sample that. But uh, I also want to talk about in the next segment just briefly. I want to uh, talk about the uh, quote-unquote missing years of Jesus, uh, his history, uh, his, what happened to Jesus, missed, uh, his missing years okay, in history. Uh, what, what do we say of that? And, and why, does it, why is there a gap? Why doesn't the Bible talk about when Jesus was 12 years old or mm-hmm. on up to when he was you know, age, age 30? Where, where are those years at? So I want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, we'll return. Uh, stay tuned. We'll enjoy some coffee together and uh, jump back in to the person and work of Jesus. The coffee that we are uh, sampling and reviewing today uh, comes from Elixir Coffee Company. You can check out their website at Elixir Coffee. Dot com. Uh, they are actually originally uh, out of Philadelphia, but they have a location here in Nashville, and uh, their location here is in the little shopping cul-de-sac directly across from the uh, Ryman Auditorium right in downtown Nashville, and uh, these they specialize in really, really top-notch premium coffee, so I'm I'm uh, excited to try this here in just a minute. I just want to read you a little bit from their website. Uh, It says, Coffees That Sing, 
We are on a mission to deliver transformative coffee experiences through the sourcing, roasting, and brewing, and serving of the planet's most unique coffees. Uh, this company was founded in 2010. Um, some accomplishments are 2019 third place United States Barista Competition, 2018 second place, 2015, 17, 18, and 19 U.S. Roasting Championship finalist, 2017 Coffee Champs in the Reno Ro Roasting Competition, 2018 America's Best Espresso, um, and there's a few others that I won't uh, continue to read. Um, you can check those out on their website. Today we are reviewing the Ethiopia Conga bean. And it says this is one of the most anticipated coffees of the year. This zero defect Yurgachev is one of the cleanest and sweetest coffees that we get each year. This coffee comes from a cooperative of over 2,000 small farm holders. It is then hand sorted and screened for size to ensure it is top scoring. Um, it's an heirloom variety Yurgachev region grown at 2200 meters uh, in a washed process. And the flavor notes are plum, raw sugar, and uh, bergamot. Bergamot, don't know exactly how to say that, but uh, bergamot, we'll say, and fruit loops. So we're going to brew this in the AeroPress today, and we're going to sip on it, and we'll come back and give a little review. So what happened to the history of of Jesus, let's say, as a child up to the you know, adult age, the age of a rabbi, um, why is it missing in, in the Bible? What happened to those years? Well, I don't know that I'd say it's missing. Uh, well, you know, we have the birth narrative. We have a little bit about uh, uh, when the, you know, Mary and Joseph lost him and he was in the temple. I think, what was that, when he was like 12? 12. Right. And then we don't hear anything about anything else until uh, he starts his ministry. But that's okay. That doesn't mean it's missing. Right. Um, I mean, you can apply that same logic to other biblical uh, people. Uh, we don't really hear anything about Moses after his birth story and rescue and all that. We don't uh, hear much about uh, um, most other people in the Bible, uh, you know, think about like Samuel. You, you, mm -hmm. there's a story of him as a child, you know, uh, taken to the temple, and uh, God speaks to him, mm -hmm. and then after that, he's grown. Um, but and then at the same time, you can also apply that to uh, modern day people. I mean, mm -hmm. how many celebrities and presidents and influential people do we know a whole whole lot about mm -hmm. their childhood right. and their years before yeah. they started doing what they're doing yeah. i mean it's just if if it's not needed for mm -hmm. who they are it's not there so yeah. i think that's just a kind of a a mm -hmm. question that maybe people throw out that yeah it's just not as important as as yeah. they try to make it to be right you know one thing to think about too is as we talk about his Christ's humanity, he was, I mean, he re, he lived a regular life like a like like a boy, teenage boy, mm -hmm. except for the the account in the gospel accounts where Jesus is in the temple teaching, and his teaching supersedes the scribes. I mean, he taught with so much authority that it, it surpassed the scribes. Okay, there's that there's that episode, but other than that, there's nothing recorded well, because he was a regular. Uh, you know, uh, he he acted like a regular boy. I, I mean, I don't think he, I don't think he got in trouble, got spankings, and it, you know, discipline like that because that yeah. would imply sin. Yeah. Uh, and really, I think that's kind of ir irrelevant to the whole gospel. Yeah. Uh, you know, account, but it wasn't recorded because it wasn't relevant to the yeah, story, and and there was no, there nothing that raised attention. About his life, where someone would say, "Well, this boy is different," 
And all through Mark, there's this messianic secret, you know, where Jesus would heal and he would say, command them not to not to reveal it. And so there was a certain time when Christ would would be revealed uh, Mm -hmm. anyway. And um, there's, of course, places where they say they've recorded some uh, some of Jesus' childhood events. And um, a few of those are in the uh, the infancy, what's called the Gnostic Gospel, of the infancy of Thomas. I mentioned this before. Jesus had said something to the effect of um, something really off the wall that doesn't sound like anything that Jesus had said in the Gospel account, such as, unless a woman becomes a man, they can't inherit the kingdom of God, that kind of stuff. But there's other places where... They will take just enough of the biblical text and throw in just enough of the language where it sounds very similar, and you know, and 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 it sounds spiritual, if that makes sense. So I'm going to read a couple of these just so you'll get an, an idea of the flavor of the gospel, the Gnostic gospels. This is from the infancy of Thomas. Uh, I think just to clarify too, yeah, these Gnostic gospels, they're. Uh, books outside of the canon of scripture yeah, yeah. Uh, that uh, when you apply uh, your normal uh, biblical scrutiny uh, to the manuscripts and that kind of stuff, they just fall extremely short. There's, there's not you cannot in any scholarly way um, try to say that these yeah. things are accurate, They're, but but they come up all the time yeah. um, of people trying to question. Because they're uh, saying, the what account. about the other books in yeah. the Bible? What, what other books? Yeah, people bring <laughs> them up all the time. Yeah. Yeah. If you go back and, and listen to the previous season one on the scriptures, uh, there is a section we do in there on the Gnostic Gospels. Yeah. Um, but this, is, uh, this, is, this gives you an idea of so how far divorced from the Gospel accounts, the life of Jesus, that this is. Uh, it says, uh, so this is, I guess this would be chapter 1. I don't know if it's chapter 1 or section 1. It says, I, Thomas, the Israelite, tell unto you. And by the way, this is probably not Thomas. <laughs> this, is probably, this is not Thomas. He was dead and gone, okay? It says, uh, even all the brethren that are of the Gentiles to make known unto you the works of the childhood of our Lord Jesus Christ, and his mighty deeds, even all that he did when he was born in our land, whereof the beginning is thus. So you got the, you got a little, just enough of the language in there. Oh, that sounds that sounds scriptural. <laughs> <laughs> you got just enough, Jesus our Lord, in the beginning, uh, to make known that language that you find all through the Bible. And then it says, uh, here here's one, here's one. Uh, two accounts. It says, this little child, Jesus, when he was five years old, so this is before the temple event, five years old, was playing at the ford of a brook, and he gathered together the waters that flowed there into pools and made them straightway clean, and he commanded them by his word alone. It sounds like when Jesus commanded the storm and walked on the water, that kind of thing. And he said, and having made soft clay, he fashioned there of 12 sparrows. And it was the Sabbath when he did these things or made them. And there were also many other little children playing with him. Now, why would that be relevant to the story at all? Um, but he fashioned these Clay, clay, and made them birds. Yeah, I birds. yeah. And I didn't know Thomas uh, knew Jesus when he was five. <laughs> so yeah, it's really yeah. surprising. Yeah, they were childhood friends. Yeah. <laughs> Guess Jesus told them that story, you know, maybe. Yeah, there is yeah. Uh, there is another one that is um, that is kind of well known. Let me see if I can dig this one up. Um, there, there's one where here it is. Okay, this is Jesus. He goes through the village. He goes through a village, all right. And uh, and a child ran, running through the village, and dashed against his shoulder. So he bumped into Jesus, all right. And Jesus was provoked, and said unto him, "Thou shalt not finish thy course. Go all the way." Uh, and uh, and immediately he fell down and died. 
But certainly when they saw what was done, said, Whence was this young child born? For that every word of his is an accomplished work. And the parents of him that was dead came into Joseph and blamed him, saying, Thou hast, uh, thou hast such a child, canst not dwell with us in the village, or do thou teach him to bless and not curse? For he slayeth our children. What, what language is that? Uh, it's trying to sound like the King James, it's but like the King Jethro version. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's flavored just enough where it has a yeah. uh, a, a scriptural tone to it, but that it's certainly not the nature and character of of the accounts that we find in in the, the canon of scripture. So. Yeah, and it's again, it's, it's kind of. I think it's good to to read some of those because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times when people bring those, uh, what about these other books? Mm-hmm. And if you don't know how ridiculous they are, yeah. it might be hard to try to yeah. get you know give some refute to that. Mm-hmm. But all all you have to do is look at them a little bit, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we're kind of sitting here chuckling because it's just so outlandish, but. Uh, but it's good to understand that they are outlandish, and when yeah. somebody brings those up to you, you, say, "Well, have you actually read those?" Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. You know, have, have you read through them? There, there's another one in here, but I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to read much more of them because these are a little extensive um, and just laborious. But there is a there is a case I believe that depicts a child falling and off a roof and dying, and Jesus brings him back to life. And, uh, you know, again, just enough scriptural language in it, familiar language, where somebody it would pique somebody's interest. They said, well, how about these books? Well, well, one thing is they don't sound like the Jesus of the Bible. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's helpful. And so that, uh, that would help. I think that helps us kind of to answer that aspect of it. When the humanity of Jesus comes up, well, how about when he was a little boy, you know? Yeah. And, uh, well... How about when he was a little boy? He was a little boy. He was a little boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, would would you expect... So there's a little bit of a double standard there, too. You know, would you expect um, somebody to follow around George Washington or Abraham Lincoln <laughs> their whole life and write down every single aspect of their life? And if you didn't expect them to do that for them, why would you expect somebody yeah. to do that yeah. for Jesus? Every little movie makes, we got to write it down. Well, there was no reason to, yeah. and yeah. and quite frankly, it would probably be boring literature. Yeah, you know, not that Jesus' life was boring, but to follow him around as a as a boy who had not yet had not uh, was not yet in his earthly ministry, it would just it would just be kind of a It'd be like watching a Western, but then having to watch them travel for two days yeah. before it gets to the action. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. no, yeah, no uh, cutscenes or no. no. Jesus woke yeah. up today. Uh, he went and worked in the field with his yeah, family. He worked with his hands. Uh, and I mean, and that was a, there was, a, and that is really testament uh, in Scripture where, um, I mean, it was Nathaniel had said, "Can any good thing come out of Nazareth?" Uh, you know that kind of proves the point that there's no reason yeah. uh, to. Or when the religious leaders, you know, said, uh, "Isn't this the, the carpenter's son?" Yeah. Uh, you know, so there was mm-hmm. no reason to have a detailed history. Yeah, that would be like if someone had the history of Larry Stevens from. You know, the time he was born up until now. <laughs> Who in the world would read that, Jock? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it has it's certainly been a good conversation today talking about the well divinity and humanity of Christ. So we're gonna take a week off and uh, we'll come back in a couple of weeks and uh, we'll continue our discussion on the person and work of Christ. And uh, what I wanted to do as we close out is, as I had mentioned beforehand, we talked about uh, we talked about uh, a, a man by the name of Ron, and I believe we mentioned his name. Yeah, I Ron. think we did. We were talking about just uh, uh, talking with people about Christ mm-hmm. and John. Uh, you're talking about how how we 
were sharing Christ, and we didn't know where this guy stood, right. what, what he knew, so we yeah. went back to Genesis. Yeah. yeah, and we had mentioned, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and then that kind of segued into that. And, uh, and I think it's good. I think we ought to share that, that, uh, that experience we had with, with Ron. And so we were visiting at uh, the hospital in Greenville, North Carolina. How, how long ago was this? Uh, probably uh, four years ago? It's been about, yeah, about uh, at least about four years, I would say, yeah. And uh, one of our, you know, one of our members' husband had fallen and had, and had uh, gotten hurt and needed some surgery. And we decided we were going to go over to give him a visit. There was another person over over at the hospital we were going to go see, and uh, we head on over there with our intentions of having a very brief meeting with them, visit with them, and then going to lunch. In, f- in fact, we were kind of planning out where we were wanting to go. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we're going to peek in, peek out, pray, and then, uh, well, the first one um, was a it was somebody's grandmother who was really so bad off that we could not go in. They were not conscious and had and the flu, real had, bad. Yeah, and the flu, and, and flu. Yeah, and so in ended up they ended up passing on, and uh, so we made our way up to see Ron. And on our way up, we were like, uh, we started talking about where we wanted to eat lunch. This is going to be quick. The Lord has a a certain way of changing our plans, and he sure he did that day. And whenever I preach a revival somewhere or able to share, like if I'm doing like two, three nights or whatever, a revival, I always make it a point to share this. And I know there's probably, uh, you know, missionaries who have stories like this all the time, you Mm -hmm. know. And for me, though, I'll never forget this. Uh, because it was certainly the Lord showing up. And uh, we make our way to Ron's room, and we peek in the door, and um, his wife motioned us to come on in, and we came in, and we talked a little bit about uh, what happened to him, and he's, he's telling the, you know, what the procedure is going to, what it's going to look like, and okay, and... Uh, I was about to pray for him, you know, and head on out to lunch. And his wife says to 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 him, "You said you wanted to say something, ask Larry something. Uh, would you like me to step out of the room?" And he says, "No, you're it's fine." And so he proceeds to ask me uh, what it means to be a Christian. Uh, something to that effect. Um, what does it mean to be a Christian? And when he said that, I was kind of like, "Wow, uh, I've never had that before happen before ever." Most of the time, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do a little reconnaissance. You know, you gotta, you know, build those relationships with yeah. people before you, you get. Have to, to, typically, you're working up to get to that question. Yeah, and it's, well, well, it's like low hanging fruit. Yeah, you know, and um, I was like, "Well, my mind is like turning a million miles." I'm like, "Where do I start? I need to start somewhere." And I, as we're talking, you know, he had said he had read the Bible, but most of the reading he did was to disprove it. Mm-hmm. And he was a second like science teacher or something of that effect, and so he would read the Bible to dis- to disprove. So he had some knowledge of the Bible. And so, well, we dug back to Genesis. And uh, if you don't know where to start, start at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we kind of went through the uh, the story. The, part, uh, yeah. the, the story strategy was just the four part. You start in Genesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, creation, the fall, yep. uh, the rescue through Christ, and the restoration mm-hmm. to come. Yep. So that we kinda, that's kind of the model we used. But You know, being a, he was a biology teacher, I think I asked him right out, if he believed, because you know, we want to, you want to start with creation point. Did he b- believe that God created that He was a creator, and He did? I said, "Well, I was kind of like, um, 
glad that that yeah because you know, that would be that would be a long you gotta you gotta do some yeah you know what the holy spirit can the holy yeah. spirit's gonna do the work absolutely but you you certainly got to do a little bit of um you know working through that with yeah. that person to get them to acknowledge that their yeah you know, the creator is god and then the easier part the easiest part out of all of it is the brokenness part i mean the yeah. very reason he's laying in a hospital bed yeah just look around. Suffering with broken bones mm-hmm. or, you know, fractured bones is mainly because of the fall, mm-hmm. you know, and sin. And then, you know, and then you deal with the corruption aspect of. So we worked through that a little bit. Then we got to the rescue, you know, the uh, the remedy, which is Christ, mm-hmm. and then the restoration. And um, I said, well, how does that sound to you? Yeah, you said, i never forget it. You said, what do you think about that? That was the word you said. What, what do you think about that? Yeah. And uh, he just looked for a minute, and he didn't say anything, mm-hmm. and just broke down. Yeah. Yeah, he broke down. And the next thing he said reminded me uh, where in Isaiah it says that the word will not return void. Because he said that, as I was walking, going through all of that, he he remembers hearing his grandfather, who I guess was a preacher or something, who would always um, preach, you know, to, wow. to him maybe. Yeah. And I'm like, gosh. Yeah, he said you he know, could hear the he, words yeah. of his grandfather from his childhood. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and it would just kind of come flooding back to him. And uh, I asked him, you know, um, more or less, if he would, you know, like to be saved. But yeah, I think he got to ask that question when you're sharing the gospel, and he, yeah. and he said he would. So we prayed, and and um, one thing about it, he, because he was disabled a bit, he, um, he he spent a lot of time from that point on in rest, um, you know, rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. And I remember I took him. I had just finished John, and I took him 61 sermons from John. I'd spent 61, and he's like, I don't know how you took a little bit of text <laughs> and then spent 45 minutes on it. And I said, well, that's, you know, that's just that form of preaching, you know, the ex- expounding on it, ex- uh, expository. And, um, and so I remember one of the last times that he – he um we visited with him he um i said well how are you he said i'm fine i got jesus that's what he said i mean and and the dude could not get up and and walk around like us he couldn't go out and do what he want you know and there he is yeah. satisfied in christ and and we have all you know mm-hmm we can do almost anything we want, and yeah, we complain about almost everything. And and uh, right before he got bad off, and um, they had he was in the hospital, and they mo- they were about to move him to palliative care. And one of the things that we wanted to do was we waited because we wanted to baptize him. Yeah, and he uh, wanted to be baptized. He wanted to be baptized. Yeah. He never came home. From, I mean, he never yeah. actually came home mm-hmm. from the the day we. Yeah were there when this story mm-hmm. happened because um, yeah. he was when we were, he was wanting to come home and we had kind of set up mm-hmm. uh, a way to have him baptized yep. and he just never made it home yeah we had a we had a place uh, a pool that we were going to use uh, to baptize him and I got the call that he was bad off and might not make it and so they were moving into palliative care what that means is, uh, at any moment, they were going to start administering, uh, you know, a morphine or something like that to keep him comfortable, which more yeah. likely would mean that he would be unconscious. Yeah, know? more and, so just, yeah. And we wanted to get over there, and at least if we could, you know, immerse him, you know, his head or, you know, do some uh, a, a baptism, because that's what he wanted. Yeah. And by the time we got over there, he was already unconscious and he was not he was unresponsive and so it was 
me and some, you know, some deacons, we gathered around, we gathered around and to pray. And uh, we just kind of went around and prayed. And, and while we were praying over him, he took his last breath. And just mm-hmm. like, <sighs> and I'm like, I look up and there's come in. It's like, he's gone. I'm like, and if, uh, <laughs> if I go, that's how I want to go. That was just, yeah. And to have people there to experience that too was just, yeah. Yeah. Something I'll never forget. I mean, I'm going to tell you what, though. If a person was to say that Ron was never saved because he'd gotten a baptismal, they're out of their mind. That is just. Yep. That is, well, anyway, we won't get back into that. But that's the story of (laughs) Ron, and that's, we never forget it. Well, we are back this evening enjoying the Elixir Coffee. And uh, Pastor Jason gave a pretty extensive explanation of um, the process it takes to to uh, to roast this uh, particular Congo Conga uh, Ethiopian bean. Uh, elixir is new to us. In fact, you might see a little bit of a wardrobe change. Uh, it's because we spent most of the day at the Southern Baptist Convention, and uh, we picked uh, we picked this bag up from. Uh, a roaster downtown, and uh, we had said that we were going to try to get a local roast and, and to try it, and so we have. And as you saw, we brewed it in the AeroPress. We all got a little little taste of it, and we'll talk a little bit about how uh, what it you know how it tastes to us. And so, Jason, what do you think? That's the really elixir? really really good. Uh, Really clean tasting. Um, definitely taste the raw sugar notes uh, in the description there. Um, in my opinion, this is one of the top coffees that that we've yeah. reviewed. Could be, I mean, it could be uh, the fact that we're all kind of a little weary from a long day, but uh-huh. uh, it really is a fantastic coffee. Yeah. And I, I would, right now... I'm thinking uh, four and a half out of five beans. Uh, like that professor that won't give a five. <laughs> Was that Lloyd? Isn't that That's what you said? Yeah. 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 I'm, you know, I, I'm picking up on brown sugar. And that is probably part of the the, the raw sugar cane um, tone that it has. But um, certainly is certainly is one of the better uh, roast. Um I, because I haven't had a full cup to really enjoy uh, just simply a, a sample, I'm probably going to hover right at, around four for me. Um, and, you know, again, maybe if I had a full cup, that might be a little different. But it's very, very good. Probably, like, I, like Jason said, one of the better um, beans that we have sampled. Uh, definitely a top shelf. Yeah, no doubt. Definitely top shelf. You can shelf. tell uh, – yeah, the description said they they got this from a co-op of two thousand different farmers, and uh-huh. they go through and select the best beans from each one's batch. So you can tell that there was a, a great care and process putting put into getting the the perfect beans for this mm-hmm. roast. Yeah, how about you, Lloyd? I I really like it. It's it's I, I'm quick enough to say it's my favorite, even though I've only had a sip. Um, it, I, I definitely pick up the brown sugar, like you were saying. The it's uh very it has that like a natural taste to it without the bitter punch that like I was expecting. Zero bitterness, nothing, none at all. No, yeah, um, that was the first thing I noticed yeah. is that there was no. We uh, of course we brew that in AeroPress, and we're going to mm-hmm. try this in the morning with the the vacuum siphon, and so that ought to be uh, really interesting. Um, yeah, and uh, maybe you know, maybe uh, next episode we might come back with a review. Maybe touch on how it how it came out in the vacuum siphon, um, and that might change my rating of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, a little bit more. Well, just every kind of see every coffee we've had so far was better in the vacuum siphon. So 
Mm-hmm. Well, what, what did we do with the food lion? Well, the food lion was, I, I don't I think we vacuum siphoned it. <laughs> I yeah, can't Because I think we were trying to make it taste the best. Good, yeah, the yeah. food lion was just. It was just bad. Yeah, it was bad. We uh, mm-hmm. picked up some M&M uh, coffee, what are coffee nut M&M's. Mm-hmm. And Larry said, I still better than food lion coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not even a coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it has been a long day, and we're going to pack up and get ready to head out, come back home. And uh, so we'll catch you next time on Caffeinated Theology, episode number four. Uh, Next week, we will not be recording. We will not broadcast. And so just just stay in uh, on our social media page and uh, just keep in touch there, and we'll send updates when uh, the next episode Uh, we'll broadcast Uh, until then enjoy a great cup of coffee and study some sound theology god bless you thank you for joining us and we hope today's discussion has encouraged and challenged you please join us again next week as we discuss biblical truths over a fine cup of coffee